0: teens. Better than I thought they'd be. Oh no, that sounded like Brian. I'm ex- so excited to share with you guys. I've had this welling up in me for months and I didn't know if it, I didn't know if it was going to be for a Sunday morning when I had an opportunity or a Sunday evening. So I was just too excited. I said, it's, it's gotta be now. It's gotta be this. So, um, what we're going to be talking about tonight is our surroundings, and when I was reading about this and thinking about this, you know, so often our surroundings have a huge influence on us, and so often they affect us, um, depending on where they are, the people that are around us, um, the things that are going on around us, and it kind of it made me kind of reflect back. To when I was in high school and played basketball, which I was—I'm still waiting on the Lakers to call me. So, um, anyway, um, no, I probably wasn't that good. But I like to joke with the teens about it. But um, you know, when I when we would play at home, I'd be so excited to play in front of that home crowd, and I felt like I felt even like the baskets and the basketballs were just in my favorite home. And then when you would go away and you change that surrounding at somebody else's place, sometimes it would influence me in a good way, and sometimes it influenced me in a bad way. And I remember the first time when I played, I was a freshman, the first time I got to play at uh, the Blue and Gold Tournament. And this was at Hammond Student Center, and it was SMS then, it was not Missouri State. And just that crowd, that atmosphere, I played horrible. I was so scared, I was so nervous. I had never, I grew up in Clever, so the crowd that we had in Clever was yeah, not as big as Hammond's. Um, so that changing, just changing from that surrounding, and it was the same, it was still a basketball court. It still had basketball goals. The basketballs were pretty similar, probably a little bit nicer, and they weren't from the 70s like ours. But just changing that surrounding had such an influence on me, and it affected me in such a way that we have to realize that when our surroundings change, that they have a huge influence on our lives and retailers know this too retailers you can there's been studies done i don't know who i say they they've done studies um but retailers know the power of your surroundings because they know what kind of colors to put in their displays and what kind of clothes to put on the front of the racks um, to influence you to want to buy and even the music that they play in there um, for some reason makes people want to spend more money um also, a lot of times, um, I read about this too, which I don't know if this is true or not, I ever noticed it, but they would pump certain fragrances into the department stores that would influence you to buy and spend more. I don't know what fragrance that is. I don't know if it's money or what it is, but, um, but, but they, the retailers know that. They know that there's power in the surroundings, and if they can influence you to do things by your surroundings, then you're going to be more likely to spend more money. Um, And usually, a lot of times, our attitudes and our general demeanor can be affected by our surroundings. That blew my mind about the fragrances they put in there. I'm gonna start paying attention to that. I don't shop very much, but... So whether you realize it or not, our surroundings so often change or dictate our moods. But God wants to use us to change our surroundings and us to influence our surroundings instead of our surroundings influencing us. He wants us to be effective instead of affected. So I'll show you what I'm talking about in this. Um, tonight we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 37. <coughs> I think Caston's getting me sick. Um, I know. I need prayed over. Um, we're going to be in uh, verse 1 through 10 in chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit. Of the Lord, and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many of bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says <clears throat> to these bones. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Absolutely love that story. It gets me excited. And you see in that situation, this is Ezekiel. Ezekiel. And God used Ezekiel to change his surroundings. He used him to change the surroundings of death and transform it into life. So I gotta ask, are you changing your surroundings or are your surroundings changing you? And when we talk about our surroundings and we talk about the dry bones, you see there's death all around us because we live in a fallen world, which God wants us to bring restoration to but what about our own dry bones, our own problems that we struggle with? You see, so often really good at describing our problems. But you see, it goes back to Ezekiel. See, God didn't ask him to tell him about the dry bones. He said prophesy to the bones. Speak to your problems. Don't speak about them. God knows about our problems. He knows about our dry bones. But we're so good at that. We think that we just talk about them and we describe them and we complain about them and we whine about them. That's me anyway. Um, but God wants us to speak to him, to speak to him directly. God doesn't send us into the valley to give him a color coded commentary about the bones, he sends us there to speak to him. It's not about if you can identify the problem, it's when you speak, are your surroundings changing? Are you being effective? God wants us to stop describing our problems and start declaring his promises over our problems. He doesn't want us to talk about it. He wants us to talk to it. He wants us to actually put feet to our faith and do what he says we're supposed to do. We have to line up with this word. If we don't, then we're taking steps back. Every time you take a step forward, if it doesn't line up with his word, your actions that follow, then you're taking two steps back. So start declaring his promises over your problems. And stop listening. This this is a problem that I have constantly. And I have to pray about it all the time. I have so many dysfunctional thoughts that come into my mind when I need to tell my mind to line up with God's word. Um, And so often that's an attack from the enemy. Because you see, the enemy wants to take that away from us. The enemy wants to rob us of the joys and the blessings that the Lord wants to give us. So... So often we get under attack in our mind, and, and I know what happens with me because I have to rebuke the enemy nonstop about this because I start thinking, well, maybe this is going on because of this, and maybe I should have done it this way. Maybe I should, I usually say, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That's constantly my problem. But, um, and sometimes I just have to stop, and I just felt the Lord's like, I don't need to hear about that. Speak to it. Do something about it. Give it to me. I want to take it from you. I'm standing right here. You don't have to find me. I'm right here. When you think about surroundings, which this was really cool, which this came to me, I was actually reading this earlier, in, in Ezekiel 36 and verse 33 through 36, I'm going to read that to you guys because I love how God had Ezekiel in this place of restoration. And, and I love the comparison that he showed him that it was like with restoration that he wants to use us for compared to what he did next in 37 in the Valley of the Dry Bones. And I don't, know if, I don't know if I had this on here, but don't worry about it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, and this is before he brought Ezekiel in the Valley of the Dry Bones. On the day I cleanse you from all your sin, I will resettle your towns, and the ruins will be... Rebuilt, The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say this is land that was laid waste, has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain, who know that the Lord have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. So it's like he took Ezekiel and from this place of restoration into death, into dry bones. Um, and when he talks about restoration, he talks about the garden because that's the way God intended it to be before we mess things up. So he takes him from the garden to the graveyard. And so often, when we get spoke to here at church, it's like, this is God's church. This is the way he intended it to be. So this is like the garden. So what you get here, what the Lord does in you here, he wants you to use when you go out there in the graveyard. We have to bring the garden to the graveyard. I love uh, David Wilkerson. i I didn't have this in here, but it kind of reminds me of it when we talk about restoration. And um, he said a quote, and, and he's he's passed away. He was a, I liked him because he was a fire and brimstone kind of preacher, and he he kind of would uh, everything that I would listen to. I've only listened to it on YouTube because I'm young, but and I like to look on YouTube. But anyway, uh, one of his messages that he talked about, he said that nowadays he sees so much of the influence of the world and the church rather than the church and the world. And it's so true. It is so true. And it makes our job so much harder. It makes our calling so much harder when you think about how much of the world comes into the church when we've got it backwards. And we are called to make the graveyard look like the garden. What would it look like if we spoke about the garden while we're in the graveyard? What would it look like if... We talked about the things that God's doing in our life while we're at our jobs. I had this experience. I used to work for a company that we ran a refrigeration warehouse for craft. And I don't, that five or six years that I was there, I just complained about it and whined about it. And why am I here? It doesn't even feel right. Climbing this corporate ladder. I know now why it's not right. But at the time, I wasn't, I was letting those surroundings affect me and i was letting them dictate and change my mood instead of focusing on the fact that i had an opportunity while i was in that graveyard to breathe life into some people and i know i planted seeds when i was went there and, and you know while i was there it felt like such a toxic environment and i think that i allowed it to affect me in such a way that it was more than it was and it seemed like there were just atheist after atheist after atheist there so it was so hard to get my point across and i didn't know how it was going to be taken and some of these guys worked for me and i thought I don't know, you know, managing them. I don't know if I should be saying anything or what I should do. And and the more that I stewed about it, the more that I realized I missed opportunities. And, you know, there's no coincidences when God is involved. Every time you meet somebody is an opportunity to share the gospel with them because you don't know where they're at. You don't know the death that's inside them. And he paints such a clear picture of that when he talks about, when we look at this and say, he gets so vivid on it, and God says When He says prophesy to the bone, I love when when in the vivid picture of it when he talks about the fact that Ezekiel heard a noise, a rattling sound. The bone came together bone to bone. I looked and the tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And sometimes things can look really good on the outside, but we have no idea about the death that's on the inside. And if we don't take it as an opportunity to point them towards the one that created them, then where are they going to be? You don't know where they're going to go. So we just have to make sure that we take advantage of every opportunity we have to bring the garden into the graveyard. And instead of talking about what we see in the graveyard, we speak the truth and power of God's word into the graveyard until a graveyard starts to look like the garden. Restoration, life, breath of God. Some of you are in a graveyard right now in your life, and it suffocates us. It suffocates us so much. I remember times when we just, when Brooke and I were just living paycheck to paycheck, and it just suffocated us. It just, we just allowed it to consume us. And, and, and instead of being thankful for the things that, that God had given us, we just let that worry and that fear just consume us and it just it suffocates you and it just suffocates you and, until you don't have any breath. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take our breath away because he knows if we speak the things that we were created to speak, that he loses. There is power in us. When we call in the name of Jesus, when we take what we learn in the garden out to the graveyard, there's power in that. We can change lives. We can change eternities. People's eternities can be changed by the words that we speak out of our mouth. And until we realize that, then we're not being effective. And we're allowing those surroundings to make us nervous. And that's what the enemy wants. I lived so much of my life being nervous about speaking the truth of Jesus. Well, I wonder what they're going to think. Now I'm thinking, I wonder where they're going to go if I don't. Your current circumstances don't define you. So often the enemy, when he gets us in that place of suffocation and and that place that we're just restricted and we just can't breathe and we just think that we're just, everything's coming down on us, that's exactly where he wants us to be. But that doesn't define you. It doesn't define you. You were created by God for a purpose and his purpose is to breathe life into his people again that are dead. so often I think how many times could I have been affected actually I, since I was talking about that story earlier about where I used to work at my old job there was a time I learned how important it was really quick because I was praying and God was working in my life and, and, and we were in a place that I started getting um, I started changing my surroundings I stopped hanging out with some of the people that I once hung out with and, and drank with and just did horrible things with and started surrounding myself with different people and I noticed that it was a little bit easier for me because the temptation wasn't around me to want to sin. So I started having this understanding that, well, I am worth something. God does want to use me to do things, to change lives. So I started praying, God, just put people in my path. Put somebody in my path tonight at work, and I was working third shift at that time, and which was horrible. I know. Well, it's called the graveyard. <laughs> That's about right. Um, I started praying, God, just put someone in my path. I want to make a difference. I want to make a change. I want to change somebody's eternity, not for me, but for you, because I don't want to have people in my life that, that are living a sinful life and, and that I'm not doing anything about it. I just, I just felt like I was, just, I was not being effective. And so I prayed that prayer, and that night that I went to work, this guy, and I knew he'd made it pretty obvious about, his stand on not believing in God many times, way too many times. So I was very uncomfortable around him and, and, uh, and he had just switched to my shift and I didn't know that. So we had our pre-shift meeting and, and I saw him there and, well, we'll call him Tony because you guys don't know him anyway. It wasn't Tony Blackstock, by the way. (laughs) Sorry, Tony. His name was Tony though. Um, And Tony was there and I thought... I thought, why did I pray for that? Because I know that God put Tony in my path. It's no joke that he switched. And it wasn't just a temporary shift change at that time, which means that he had something going on. He had take some time off. Long story short, he was on my shift permanently. And I thought, okay, you gotta be careful what you pray for. So I saw Tony there. And after I had the guys get done with their stretch in, we talked about our safety stuff. Um, it's funny cause he came up to me and he said, uh, he said hey i'm going to be on your shift now and i said hey i'm just really glad to have you and i said is everything going all right and that was kind of my way to step into it without being too hard right away and he said no i'm not having a very good time right now and he was talking about having some struggles in relationships and his kids and stuff like that so i got real nervous i didn't say anything to him then so later on the night so i backed out because i was scared so later on in the night, we had a messaging system. Anyway, he messaged me because he needed something, and I thought, you're telling me something here, Lord. So I messaged him back, and I said, Tony, can you come up to the office, please? So he came up there, and, and I cornered him this time. And I, I said, Tony, I, don't, I know you said you had some struggles, and I kind of want to pray for you, and I don't know how you feel about that. And he said, uh, I'm not sure, M- maybe later. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, since we can't, and it was busy. It's, we are working for Kraft and Walmart, and they don't care. They're just, they're jerks. Anyway, sorry if any of you work for them. <laughs> but anyway, um, I said, I'll tell you what, Tony, why don't you, I said, all right, that's fine. You can go back out there. And I said, why don't you just message me your number? And I, I'd like to talk to you a little bit after work. And so I got back in the office and, and he didn't message me his number And it was funny, I was praying about Tony while I was sitting there, and and after our shift is over, usually those guys would leave an hour before I leave because I had to stay an hour late um, for other responsibilities. And anyway, I was praying about Tony, and I was just like, God, just put him on my path again. Just give me an opportunity, because I didn't get his number, so I couldn't call him. And so when I left work, he should have been gone an hour ago. Literally, as I drove through the parking lot, Tony walks across the road. You talk about praying to someone to be put in your path. It can't get any more plain than that. He walked across the road in front of me, and guess what I did? Drove right on home. So the next night I come to work, and that was going to be our Friday, Tony did a a temporary shift change for two weeks, and he wasn't going to be there for two weeks. And I had the most miserable two weeks of my life. Nothing worked out. Everything was awful. I think the kids acted up. Brooke and I weren't getting along. It was horrible. And I knew the entire time exactly what it was about. So anyway, after that horrible two weeks, Tony came back to work and, and so I told him, I said, Hey, you didn't send me your number. And so he went ahead and wrote it down at the start of the shift. So after the, after, as soon as our shift was over and as soon as I left out of the, cause it was in a cave that I worked in and I got signal, I called him and he was already home. He lived like 10 minutes from there and I talked to him for two hours and you know, he didn't make any profession at that time, but I made it clear that God loves him and that God has a purpose for his life and that, these things that are happening to him are the enemy. And I tried to make that clear to him. And, you know, like I said, I never, he never made a profession and, and I've never seen Tony again. I have tried to text him some scripture, but his numbers change now, which is probably why. Um, But I know that I planted a seed. And when that moment that I realized that, that God wants to use me to make this change in my surroundings, instead of letting the surrounding just suffocate me and take my breath away, he started opening to my eyes and I started praying. Then my prayers started to change. Instead of praying for all the whiny things that I wanted, I started praying for other people. And I started praying for other people to be put in my path and for me to be used to further his kingdom in a mighty way. And I prayed for a Christ-like awareness. God, give me an awareness for when these people come in my path. Give me an awareness to see what your will is for me in this situation. Give me the words to say. And as I fervently and constantly prayed for that, It started happening. I started seeing things differently. And the Holy Spirit would prompt me when people were around. And sometimes I wouldn't step out and speak to them or speak at them, but I would at least pray for them. Um, And as that happened, it really wasn't that the surroundings that I was in changed, but to me, they did. Because I didn't let the enemy tell me the lies that he'd been telling me for so long and let them dictate my mood. And so I know, I kind of felt like it was like a light bulb, like, like my light kind of came on and I started shining. And I kind of saw it in a different way. And I had less and less time that I was suffocated and more and more time that God was using me to breathe breath into people. And like I said, some of you guys, I don't know what graveyards you're dealing with right now. I don't know what kind of people are in your path right now, but I know that God wants to use us to restore and God wants, to, wants us to use us to, to breathe his breath back into people and we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus and every single opportunity that comes our way, it's no coincidence. And there's, we have family members that are lost, we have people that we work with that are lost and we have such toxic environments and, and I just won't want you guys to, to let them suffocate you And let them dictate who you are because they're not who you are. Instead, use those as opportunities to bring the garden into the graveyard. Because like I said, the enemy knows if we speak what we are intended to speak, that he has no business in our lives and he has no business in those people's lives. You are only defined by the one who created you, died for you, and lives in you. That's it. There is no more. There is no one else. There is no greater name. Let me go ahead and have an invitation. And this invitation, this is a time to fight for our loved ones. This is a time... to start being more bold. I need it to. I need to be more bold. I need to be more effective in my surroundings instead of letting them affect me. This is a time to fight for our workplaces and make a difference where you're at in our schools in our homes and other surroundings in our life that are full of death and destruction and say, God, help me to be in a place that I can bring life to these dry bones. This is a time for us to get together as a church. This is a time for battle. We are called. Everyone in this place, if you've received that saving grace, then you've been called. We've been called to band together as a unified body of Christ and to get on our knees for those ones that are unsaved around us and those around us that are experiencing that suffocating feeling. And and some of you are experiencing that too. And, And God wants to bring life and restoration to you. He doesn't want you to live like that. So I don't know who it's for or who you need to pray for if it's for yourself.